Hey, everybody. This is Dan. This is Scott. This is Dan. And <laughs> together we are... The I Three Musketeers? Yeah, I, that's where I was going with it. I didn't really know. And the listener can figure that out. This is the Following Faith podcast. And if we had theme music, we would roll it right now. But it probably... It probably already just rolled. So, guys, it's a um, exciting time to be alive. It's the end of September. Um, it's the best and, time of the listen, year. Listen, my green, my grass is green again, and the church is um, outside still, mm-hmm. and the bees are buzzing. And so far, the record is three. Does anybody know what three means? Three, three people stung. Stings on a three people stung so <laughs> which is, far. Which HP. is surprising because Not, they are so crazy out right now. And I thought I was going to die on Sunday. I was this last sworn. Sunday was bad. I, I thought it was way better this I was last Sunday. Sworn. I had one go down my shirt while yeah. I was preaching. <laughs> no, did you really? I had to stop pre. I mean, it was awkward. I did just you do a little preaching. Dance, like no, I just, I just, I froze because you're not supposed to. I got stung earlier this year. And my whole arm like <laughs> swelled up like a balloon. Yikes. So. They should do that in homiletics class. Yes, yeah. they should have all like these. case studies. What <laughs> if you get to pull out the bees in the beekeeping thing, like yeah. that whole oh, that yeah. whole drawer of bees? And it's like preaching X Factor. You gotta be able to preach with bees on you. Let's do that. Can we? What do would that? be the worst? Oh, never mind. The worst situation <laughs> in which to preach? Yeah, I'm trying to think like either all a those storm things. on the lake or oh, uh, outdoors at HP on a no. Sunday in the summer. <laughs> That's a bubble gut in '98. Uh, bubble gut. Yeah, I don't bad, even know man. what that is. You like, know what bubblegut is. You like, know, just gotta uh, go, man. Harry from uh, Dumb and Dumber. Harry. Remember that scene? <laughs> I forgot about I that movie. I've never bubblegut before. It's the I'm with you. worst. I'm with you. Don't want to hit that note. Oh, man. No, you don't. That'd be so bad. Wow. Well, this podcast just started, <laughs> started out so what are we promising. Doing? So what promising. We hey, we got, a, we got an awesome interview uh, in just a couple minutes here with our pastor of worship at Bethel, Dustin Rouse. And um, guys, we, we, it's sort of a follow-up to our conversation we had last week uh, about worship and production and how much is too much and all that stuff. Um, you think we planned it. You would have but, thought. But we didn't. No, we did not. There's no planning. The production <laughs> meeting's happening right now. Um, but I, I wanted to just briefly touch uh, on a couple things happening around the church before we jump into the catechism. Um, Scott. What's happening? The kickoff yeah. for Verge. Oh, dude. Was it was incredible. awesome. Yeah, it was super fun. And Daniel played. It was it was great, man. I We had 100 kids. I, I know. Mean, 100 kids. It was crazy. And I mean, you know, numbers aside... I'm I'm really excited about what God's doing in Verge this year. We got an awesome team together and students. Okay. I had students come up to me uh, last night at three students interested in baptism. That's oh, incredible. Night, which That's is awesome. so cool. Middle schoolers too. Yeah. You know, so they're like thinking about it. Um, they're considering it. They're, they're thinking about what God means to them in their own life. And, and that was just, I mean, you guys, you guys get this. Yeah. Sometimes you think you're just spinning your wheels and yep. sometimes you're just running and these last few weeks these last weeks have been crazy you just like set up and tear down and and sometimes you you just wonder what you what all you're doing it for well and, uh, that that's yeah. incredible because the next thing i wanted to talk about was how great baptisms have been baptisms on sundays. have been awesome on sundays yeah um we got one this sunday right we got yeah. one yeah. this yeah, sunday holly, holly westerhoff yeah. is getting baptized yeah, yeah, yeah. she's told me she was praying for a warm day yeah it's supposed to be is like, she gonna get it yeah she is okay good yeah, she is, which is awesome <laughs> Um, the Lord's been up to really amazing things. It's been, you know, a difficult season for everybody. Uh, not everything is up and to the right these days, but, uh, <laughs> spiritually speaking, I think it's, it's really an encouraging time. And I don't know what that means. Up and to the right is you like, know, if you like, look at a financial graph, like you want to uh, make more money gotcha. over time. Like accumulative cases of COVID in America. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that too. I was looking at Spain the other day, guys, and yeah. it's like outrageous. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's bad. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to turn yeah, it that way. But, yeah. You know. So not everything is up and to the right in a good way. Some <laughs> things are up and to the right in a bad way. Um, but I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm excited for what the Lord's doing, even in the midst, yeah. like social unrest, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. crazy election cycle, um, yeah. all the things that happen. I mean, just, this, this is literally just all the things. Yeah. And um, outdoors, we have the murder hornets at <laughs> HP have finally come. So. And yeah. crows. Crows, crazy. Crows crows is that a thing? Have it you seen here. them? It freaks me out here. They're yeah. massive. They're they'll, always they'll, at. They're, it, they will know. literally swoop at Daniel's window. I feel like it's a movie because <laughs> I come in here and every day there's like three crows just hanging outside my window. You're like Edgar Allan Poe, man. <laughs> like this yeah, is your writing same. space. And I've just written the saddest songs <laughs> yeah, this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't made it until birds come and listen to you. <laughs> no, I, I love that though, Dan. Like, like uh, God is not surprised. God yeah. is not stopped or halted. Uh, the the gospel is going forward. The kingdom's being established, and and we're along for the ride here. Like no matter no matter what it looks like, no matter what, yeah. it's a good it's a good reminder for us who have grown up in an age of prosperity mm. and an age of ease, and in an age where Christianity doesn't cost us anything. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't cost us anything. I think right now socially, it just costs us a lot more emotionally to get up, go to church, set mm-hmm. up a tent, bring mm-hmm. our kids to you know a field. It's just that there's more of a hassle for us to actually worship the Lord. Yeah. Um, but I think it's so worth it for us. And I, I've been encouraged. I don't know what I'd be doing right now if it wasn't for knowing fellow Christians and having an opportunity to worship together. Yeah. I think that's going to get us into the catechism with just uh, yeah. the, the next question. We're on question nine uh, this week. I'm going to read the question. Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. It says, uh, <laughs> what does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? Uh, okay, this, this is kind really, of a setup because you can kind of tell where question 10 is going and question yeah, yeah, 11 yeah. and whatnot. This is really interesting <laughs> to me. And I'm, I I wonder why in, in the catechism, as they wrote this, why, like why are they breaking it down even even further? Just like an interesting structure yeah. thing for me. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they needed more questions or what? Yeah. They're they like, shoot, we shoot. need 52 questions, yes. one each week. Well, well let's just break down 10 the 10 commandments. commandments. We can just do two a day. No, that's, not, that's too many. <laughs> let's do three. Okay. Well, there, there is, um, I think when we talk about love God, love neighbor, mm-hmm. um, there is a, there is an inherent structural emphasis within the 10 commandments. Typically we see the first half or, or, you know, tablet one, as it were, tablet one, uh, referring to our relationship with God mm-hmm. and then tablet two referring to our relationship with each other, how yeah. that plays itself out. And I think it's something, and man, I, you know, having a Bible degree, I should know this better, but I think it's like, there's four commands that have to do with our relationship with God. There's six commands yeah. that have to do with our relationship with each other. Um, the first, the second, and the third uh, are what God requires of us. And and so with that as a framework, we know that those are going to be our relationship with God type things. Yeah, yeah. The, the answer here. You, you want to read it? How about you do it? I will do it. No, Dan, you want to read it? Yes. This is uh, first. <laughs> commandment that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. Second. Yeah. Uh, so first that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Second, that we avoid idolatry and do not worship God improperly. Third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, honoring also his word and works. I, so we did, so we did this with high school and this was actually, we had a really good discussion about this answer and specifically about the idea of improper worship yeah. of God for whatever reason. And I think even in mind, as I read through, like, that's, that's one thing that really stands out to me. What, like, what is improper worship 
of God and can I worship God improperly? And the uh, the high school students, it, it really got them thinking about one, do you know, do we even worship God? What's that look like? And then two, can we do it? Can we do it improperly? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you think? Like, I think there's there's a difference. Like you look at the Old Testament, and there was very specific, clear, improper worship of God. But this side of the cross, there I guess there's still improper worship of God, right? Yeah. I think um, that that's a question that has informed a lot of the splits in churches throughout history. Um, every doctrinal division at the core of it has some sort of purity of worship implication. How do we worship God mm-hmm. is often the question that separates Christians. Some, you know, we could think about this in myriad different ways. There, there was in the 90s, you know, that, that idea of we worship God through the type of songs that we sing and, yeah. and nothing else. Um, throughout history, though, I mean, Luther. If you're from a Lutheran church, the definition of church that they ascribe to. Remember, Luther was a Catholic priest who then protested, which is how we get Protestantism. It's an OG protests, <laughs> OG. peaceful protests, although it cost him a lot. Uh, he 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 said that the church is wherever the word is rightly preached and the sacraments are rightly delivered. Mm-hmm. Or 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 uh, given out, mm-hmm. and the sacraments uh, in the Lutheran Church are uh, baptism and communion. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and he's kind of reforming the Catholic tradition. And so there's all these splits as to worship. How do we worship? And the issue with mm-hmm. the, the Catholic Church that he saw were the issues of indulgences. Could you worship God improperly? Well, yeah. I can't yep. just pay money to have you say a prayer for my dead relatives. Mm-hmm. My sins or... Yeah, or for the sins of other people who are no longer on earth. That just seemed like improper worship. Yeah. And so I think absolutely the answer has got to be to this. Yes, it's possible for us to improperly worship mm-hmm. God. What, so I'm thinking about today and, and there are um, issues with worship, you know, that is uh, cross-generational, cross-centuries. Every age, because we are sinful fallen humanity, has improper worship of God. What, what do you think are some ways that we improperly worship today or, or ways that we lean towards improper worship today as i'm thinking through even even our sunday mornings like what i bring to not just not just on sundays but what i bring to god in worship yeah bonhoeffer had a quote about cheap grace Mm -hmm. i don't remember the quote exactly it's right there the book is right there daniel's going right through it um and the idea that he has is that we we far you know we far too easily cheapen the work of God and, mm. and the worship of God because of our um, expectations of him uh, is essentially, I think, how, how his thinking goes. And so for us, it could be as, as simple of a matter of, you know, Romans 6, Romans 7 type of thing where we um, think so little of our sin mm-hmm. and think so then little of God's redemption. Yeah. For us to not actually worship in honesty of our own condition and reflection mm-hmm. of who we are but then also to not ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we put something else up in our lives as something that can compete with God, we are worshiping him improperly. I mean, God deserves yep. it all. God deserves the first. God deserves our best. And anytime we don't do that, um, it's improper worship. It's improper worship. Yeah, yeah. So, so then take that idea and go throughout every area of your life. Whenever you don't treat your wife no, the thanks. way God would yeah. have you treat your wife, you're not yeah. worshiping yeah. him as if he is the authority. Mm-hmm. 
whenever you spend your money impulsively or covetously or you know whatever i just got an apple watch six i'll, I'll out myself <laughs> i'll admit it was an impulsive purchase uh i'd been thinking about one for a while one for Kristen. there was a deal and i was like wow got it it's getting delivered tomorrow i'm super pumped about it <laughs> but also also was reflecting on covetousness and was like yeah, shoot yeah. man like maybe maybe i gotta like maybe i should return that thing and i that's like in my own heart of yeah, like yeah. do i need it do i want it it's it's a you know, it's a tool, but it's also a toy. Like, yeah. do I absolutely, could I use this money better? And so the question I have is how can I worship God yeah. with my finances? Well, right? and, and this, this kind of builds off a couple of questions ago. We talked about personal, perpetual, and perfect mm. obedience. And, and Dan, you, you, you use that as like a, uh, a litmus test a mm-hmm. question that you continually asked yourself. And I think this, this is a similar question yeah. that we can take into our day to day. You know, am I, Am I properly worshiping God um, in my day-to-day? Another one I think comes to mind is um, like the individualistic nature uh, that we have towards worship. Yeah. Like this is my yeah. this is my faith. I'm bringing my sin. God is here for me. And, and not that any of that is necessarily wrong. But, but it's a half-truth. It's, like, that's, a, that's a great term. Yeah, it's a half-truth. That I don't know. That's one way. I think corporately we worship individualistic. That's, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're touching on something that my soul feels right with, but my words don't catch up to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I could be guilty of trying to lose myself in the crowd and forget that in, in moments of corporate worship, part of what makes it special is that all of us are agreeing and confessing, saying mm-hmm. the same thing uh, together. That's what confession means. It means to, to honestly agree with one another or agree with God. In corporate worship, we're confessing the same thing, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He was dead. He's alive because I have faith in him. I was dead. Now I'm alive. And and to see that replicated across a field or an auditorium or across a nation is something that gives honor and glory to the Mm -hmm. Lord and is right and good for his people to be united in worship of him. Worship is simply just, it's an old English word, you know, the, the ability to give someone worth. And when, when we gather together, if we don't recognize the worth that all of us are giving to the Lord, I think you're right, Scott. I think we can, we can become just too Jesus and me in, in my own, you know, my own corner. I'm in my own tent. I'm, I'm mm. just, you know, staying away from everybody else. It's cool that you're here, but I don't need you. I, you know, if, if it was just the band and me, I'd be fine. Um, but I think, uh, I think, yeah, so, sometimes we need to pause and to reflect on what God's doing that. I think is why I love baptism so much. Mm, yeah, because it for I'm not you know I've been baptized. I'm not the one getting baptized. Yeah. But here at HP, I re, you know some some churches they'll baptize you in a swimming pool or when nobody's looking. We're not going to do that because worship it's an act of worship. It's in a public sphere. We want the church to celebrate the work of God in your life. In some sense, if you're nervous about getting baptized because you don't want to either be embarrassed or you're nervous about what you're going to say in front of people, like you're missing the point. Baptism is corporate worship, even though it is an individual proclamation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And 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 edifying to the whole body, like your story is edification of the entire body. Yeah. Hey, speaking of edification of the entire body, we got an interview uh, coming coming up in just a second, listeners, with Pastor Dustin Rouse and Daniel Asher uh, about Century Worship, the uh, songwriting wing of our church. We're so pumped for the music that they're doing, what, what Daniel's writing, 
And um, we hopefully, hopefully, this... hopefully proper worship, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good question to ask. Yeah. We recorded uh, yeah. this part of our conversation after we'd already recorded with Dustin. So listeners, you can be the judge of whether or not yeah, yeah, yeah. we are going to take our own advice seriously. So uh, until next time, uh, we hope this conversation has t- helped you follow Jesus further. Hey, it's a real privilege for us to have in the studio one of our pastors from staff, Dustin Rouse. What's up, brother? Hey, hey. what's going on? Welcome to the podcast. You, uh, a couple of years ago, had this vision for um, a ministry out of our church to help increase worship, uh, the worship of Jesus through music. And you wanted to write music and you wanted to help give expression from our body of believers through songs how much we love Jesus, uh, what he's done in our heart, and also to tell stories through music. And uh, that's really come to fruition over the past couple of years, and we've called it Century Worship. And uh, Daniel, you're a huge part of that as well. So Scott, you and I are kind of on this side of the table. Dustin and and, and Daniel are on that side of the table today. I don't music. (laughs) Yeah, I don't music. I don't music. (laughs) And we just want to have a conversation about Century Worship. And first off, I mean, the obvious question is, what is Century Worship? Why that name? I'll let Daniel answer that question since he kind of came This is good. Up with I have, it. yes, I've never heard this. You don't yeah. I don't know yeah. why it's, no. Well, first I of all, we couldn't be, we're, our, we're Bethel Church, but why? we did not want to be Bethel Worship <laughs> or Bethel Music. That one was already taken. So. Bethel Music's kind of trademarked, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We'd, have, we'd have to nah. go by like Bethel Worship underscore underscore backslash. NWI it's like finding a new Instagram handle yeah. that hasn't been used. 219. Yeah. 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 So Deuteronomy 7 says, Know therefore the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of uh, those who keep him and love his commandments. Um, where I came from in Tennessee, uh, basically everybody that was writing music uh, were just several types of camps. Um, so you had like the older reform camps and then you had the younger churches and it, worship just seemed to be segregated mm. by age. Um, and my prayer when I was hired on or when I was looking for churches to, to work for was like, God, take me to a church that is just richly informed uh, in, in just deep theology uh, that is, man, um, that represents all of the generations. Um, and when I came to Bethel, that was like just the first thing that popped off was I saw that it was so well representative of, uh, the elementary school age. I mean, just so vibrant. And then Verge, we got a lot um, of kids. <laughs> Verge is crazy. I mean, we have one of the most densely populated student populations in the country. I mean, from what I've seen, it's, it's crown point is insane. Hobart's insane. Yeah. Um, and then I just saw a, a, a rich desire for, um, uh, for worship in our, you know, 35 to 45 and then, uh, our 50, you know, 45 to 70. Um, you know, we, it was just, it was just so, I don't know, I think just well, well represented, mm-hmm. well represented, uh, at Bethel. So when I came, um, just the, the term century, just kind of just, I don't know, God put it on my heart and then I'm presenting that to, to Dustin. I think that's, you came up with the name. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Dustin, is well, that I true? Just, I actually, I remember it was, it was within a couple of weeks of Daniel coming yeah. to check out the church. He goes, dude, you have a lot of variety of age of people worshiping together and going after Jesus together. 
And then when he came officially on site, we uh, on staff, we started talking about worship and this and that, and, and just this idea of we have a century of worshipers worshiping together. So 100 years oh. represented within different uh, seasons and stages of life, representing, the, and I think that's a biblical view of worship yeah. and of the church. And so um, we we decided that was a good uh, thing to run with. It represented our church. It wasn't in the language of our church yet, but actually it's starting to, to creep its way into people trying to understand. And Scott today for the first time understands what ding, it means. Ding. What I love about it love is it. is some churches, Daniel, you, you highlighted this, some churches just target their audience. Like we know we're going to be hitting millennials or Gen Z or boomers or whatever. And century with that philosophy forces us to think about everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, a loving, caring, uh, pastoral heart for the ministry. You could look at the idea behind it and say, you know, this is a songwriting wing of our church, or this is a whatever about music. And it, it could have this production-ish um, flair to it. But the heart behind it is really that people who are in their 90s or people who are nine yeah. <laughs> would be able to sing these songs of faith and be blessed by them. Which well, is harder, harder, tougher said than done, honestly. Well, for sure. It's, it makes it challenging um, for writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes it really challenging for writing. But I think when when we've come out with songs um, and I've been able to see the the wide array of ages singing mm. these songs out, it is, it's so much more important and yeah. i think it i don't know i feel like god's hand it just blesses it um i was uh i, I got a little bit burnt out where i where i was in tennessee because i was i was leading in a couple different churches and the churches i was contracted at had a contemporary service and they had a modern service and that something just it just didn't sit well with me huh. i was just like man what can we do to to bridge the gap of these ages? Because um, music in the church is one of those things that's just such a hot button issue. Everybody mm-hmm. has, everybody's got their their preference and their their traditions. Um, and I don't know. I think uh, Dustin's leadership has 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 been awesome in this the past couple of years in this season to try to figure out what is it that that we need to say because we're not Hillsong Young and Free. Or not vertical. What is it that Bethel needs to sing? What is yeah. what is our heart song to God? Um, which has been it's been challenging, um, but I mean incredibly rewarding. Do Do you still see um, a generational divide in worship? Because I think of you. You think of the worship wars. I think you used that term in a, yeah, in a sermon a couple weeks did. ago. Worship wars. Worship wars yeah, of like yeah. the nineties. Yeah. Or or the two thousands. Yeah. And and here we are. This is twenty twenty. Yeah, so obviously progress. We the don't deal with of all things anymore. perfect. Do you, I mean is, is there still this generational divide? Is that why it makes it so difficult to to write, to reach like across generations? I think it's way better than it used to be. Mm. Um, I don't I don't get that sense as much anymore. Um, and is that just Bethel, or is that is no? Or is that across I the, I think the board? I think you can make conscious decisions to uh, intentionally leave out certain demographics. So we try to be as as holistically inclusive as possible while still having our own vernacular and and musical language. Because you can't do every style and every genre and every decade of worship because many of our seasoned saints who grew up in the 70s and 80s, we live in 2020. And so you can't do music in the 70s and 80s because we have to contextualize the time that God's placed us in. Mm. And what I appreciate about many of the seasoned saints in our church is that they do worship and they love it. At the same time, we have to make sure that we as a worship ministry and in our writing, in fact, our next song that we're going to release, I think, is going to be a hymn. Yeah. Um, That's breaking news right here. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because we recognize we can't just write these modern 
sounding songs mm -hmm. um, because the season saints may not connect with that. So we try to, we're trying to write, it makes it very, very challenging. Okay. So yeah. break this down for me. I've grown up in my, in the church, you know, I, day six of my life, I was sitting second row piano side. My mom played the piano. My dad was a music leader. I lived, you know, 70 person church. Was it piano or an organ? It was piano. Oh, I didn't know your dad was a music leader. My dad, he that's the biggest joke of all of our lives. <laughs> He's a car guy. He should not have led the music, <laughs> oh. but uh, sorry, dad. Um, but I, I, how do you write a modern hymn? What, like, what's the difference between a hymn and like yes. whatever else it is we're singing? Like how, yeah, how what are we you singing? wrote a song in my mind? It's like, you wrote a song, but what, what makes it a hymn? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there is an official, the there is an official definition somewhere to me. A hymn is something that has stanzas, not verses, yeah. has reprises, not choruses. So it's a structural type. It of thing. is. It's very I much don't know a what structure. The, the more like deep words you can use, it's usually a hymn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but typically, it, it is their stanzas that build on each other, um, and sometimes you have a reprise in there. Um, so maybe the most common example that our listeners would know would be like "In Christ Alone." Yeah, that's a modern hymn, is right. written in the mid two thousands, I yeah. think, and um, yet it, it follows that pattern. Right, and I think uh, you know my my seasoned saint, saints that I love so much they'll they'll call them choruses. Sure, uh, modern day worship songs they call them choruses. Oftentimes they're repetitive. They are you know you sing the same uh, types of things. It's usually one truth that you nail deep on. Mm, Hymns yeah. typically will cover more theological yeah, a multitude of a multitude of uh, of themes. You can fit more in. It's not as it's not as repetitious. Mm -hmm. um, so typically what you see in a in a hymn is. Um, like each verse will be completely different. Each chorus will be completely different. We'll hit on a new theological topic and you're able to cover more ground, I think, in a hymn. Um, and you see that with in contemporary versus hymns. This is kind of where some of that uh, heated gap comes because in a lot of these, uh, a lot of these hymns, uh, a lot more is said about the gospel because mm. you can say more. Um, and a lot of the more modern day worship songs, um, it's less saying it and more like how how we're saying it sure um so i don't know for us when we when we sat down to write it um that was just our heart i mean we, yeah. we wanted to offer something a little bit different um and have the opportunity to to just say say more with a song that we when we could with just a a, a typical i don't want to say typical but a more, praise chorus. more, yeah, more standard yeah. based. Uh, That's right, Scott. It's yeah. called a praise chorus. Praise chorus. <laughs> <course. laughs> Shout so to the Lord. The only thing I know now is yeah. Yeah. if it's got a lot of stanzas. There's also a, there's also a melodic structure that hymns typically will will follow the same patterns on A and B and you know. Correct. There's yeah. there's so much in that. I took yeah. a whole course on it in seminary. I can't remember. Wow. It was 15 years ago. Fifteen. But I can hear well one and know it's. <laughs> so melodic. Dustin, let me ask you this, man, because uh, we could talk about the nuance of hymns and praise choruses and. <laughs> I could have all of the exceptions in my mind uh, that I want to, that I want to talk about, but I won't. Um, what's your hope for Century Worship? Yeah. Well, um, my hope is just to give our church um, a voice in the worship world, uh, a, a voice that speaks the heartbeat of our church, that that we're writing songs out of the the seasons and the stories and the truths that we're studying as, as a church. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing is I was looking through some old files and it was a 2009 document and songwriting was like a goal for that year. So it's been 
11 years of thinking about this. And just wow. the last year and a half, really, we've gotten it going. Um, but the, the main reason is to glorify God. The second reason is to build up our church by singing songs that are from our church, for our church, that gives a voice to our church to sing of what God's doing in our church for his glory. The third reason is, and, and I don't know how many people would even know this, but the, the challenge I have in finding new worship songs is they're either super theological and musically dry, or they're very musically interesting, but mm. theologically shallow. Sure. Yeah. There's not many, there's not many people writing in this middle. Yeah. And so, and it's not easy. No. It's very easy to do one or the other. This middle ground's much harder. And so it's taken us longer to write songs because we're looking for something that's musically interesting and sounds like today but has the theological language of a hymn. And so combining these two camps, these two worlds is a dream of mine just to mm -hmm. have a to have a unique voice, I think, in the worship world um, where we never stray from the gospel. We never stray from what Christ has done. Yeah. We always stay there. So there, there's, sorry, there's a, there's a major element uh, for us for protection for our people as well um, because in the, the worship wars, um, there's been just a huge debate on you know how much does the the songs from a church how much should it reflect the teaching of the church um and it is really hard to keep a i don't know a, a close rein on um the songs that we're teaching from other churches how closely it points back to to their mm. teaching um so i think a big part for us is we do not want to divorce our songs from the teaching of our church and we feel like we have the technology and we have the inspiration to just do it ourselves. Like we don't, I, uh, worship culture globally right now, I think has, has kind of um, put itself in a corner because uh, we have these uh, these titans in the worship world, you know, your Elevation, your Hillsong, uh, your Bethel, and that's where all the worship's coming out of. And I think people forget that mm. when you are worshiping, you're singing theology, deep-seated biblical truths over people. Mm. Um, that in a lot of cases are, are coming straight from the, the lips of the teachers of these churches. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, more beneficial and just, if we use the word, just efficacious for our church um, to use our teaching to shepherd our people. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's a safer bet, I think. You, you mentioned, Dustin, about um, telling stories through mm -hmm. our singing and, and stories of what God's done in the hearts yeah. of our people. Um, what's one example that you guys, I know you've released a six song EP. You can find it on Spotify, Apple music. It's always better if you purchase music for the artists, by the way, <laughs> listeners spend the 99 cents per song. Um, but do you have like any examples of, of stories that you've told through the music that maybe if we go kind of behind the music, for, so to speak, we'd understand where stories were birthed out of or songs were birthed out of? Yeah. I mean, uh, when we first started writing, um, Daniel is the main writer. He's the main artist, creative. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I can add lyrics and we collaborate a lot, which is great, but he's the the uh, anchor and the the engine. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Hire was a song that we wrote uh, last year and it came out of a couple of stories of just people going through stuff in our church. Um, I might have, you might have heard these stories before, but just to recount them. Um, one uh, is a lady in our church who found out she had cancer and I saw her two weeks later on her knees, front row, crying, lifting her hands in worship. Wow. And then uh, we had people stand for prayer one day at Crown Point, and there was a lady uh, who had dedicated her baby to the Lord, and she knew it was going to die as soon as it was born. Yeah. And I remember we actually sang an old old song called Blessed Be Your Name, and she was during that bridge raising her hand, crying on her husband's mm. 
so I went to Daniel. I said, dude, we need a song to sing for people to be able to sing out when they're in pain and when they're going through trial. It doesn't wipe away the pain. It doesn't um, wipe away the trial, but it definitely gives, gives the pain a purpose, which is to glorify the Lord. And so we just started writing, and then he... Uh, uh, came up with some lyrics that really hit it in the bridge of no matter what we go through, uh, his love is higher for us. So therefore, we have much to live for and much to worship him for. That's incredible. Yeah. I think about uh, just the idea of songwriting is so foreign to me. Um, and I can imagine having a story to go off, uh, even like at a beginning emotion would mm-hmm. maybe make it a little bit easier. But Daniel, maybe maybe you could shed some light on how does... How does a song come to life? Like, how does a song start from a story and end up on a screen with chords and lyrics behind it? Well, I think, um, I think it, you, you have to just, you have to be in the word. Uh, cause I mean, so I write worship for the church. I'd also write, uh, solo music. I don't want to say secular or not, but it's just, it's just different. Um, and I don't know, you, you can't pull out of an empty well. So that well has to be full and you've got to be in the word every day. Um, for that inspiration to come, because it's it's really different. Because when you're writing worship music as opposed to singer songwriter music, uh, if I'm writing a song for myself, like I don't care if you can sing it or yeah, not. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's for you to listen to. With worship music, you're writing music for people to sing as if it was their own heart song, um, which has so much depth to it, and it's mm. really really heavy. Um, so for me, um, if my if my f- just face isn't in the Word of God. Um, then it, it just doesn't come. Um, and I think also the, the teaching of our church, I think as a, as a writer, I have to be tuned in to what we're teaching as a church and where our pastors are and what it is that we need to be singing because I just don't think it's fruitful for me to just kind of force it and to just force these, I don't know, these tropes and these songs that might work. Mm. I think when uh, we, we, I mean, I don't want to steal it from Andy Rogier, but he did tell us that uh, I mean, we're just we're building boats. That's all. That's all we can do. Like, all we're doing as songwriters, we're just building boats and asking for God to put the wind in the sails. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we sit down to write a song, that's just where we're starting out of. Like, what what mm-hmm. are our you know our uh, our two by fours? We're just trying to nail together to start building this boat. Yeah, and then praying that God just takes it because uh, we can't. I mean, and and it's also crazy because we don't know what that special thing is. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. when t- typically what I like to say is like for every five songs, you write five, 10 songs, there's like one that's actually usable. Mm-hmm. So it's, it sounds out- like our sermon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sadly true. So <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit has to be so entangled in that because you don't know what that's, what that, I don't know. There's just sometimes you write a song, there's just, you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit yeah. on it and you just know that it works. And it may not be the best mm-hmm. song ever written. But there's just something that's uh, ordained and anointed specifically on mm-hmm. it, um, and it just takes a lot of prayer and a lot of work. And we've been in seasons where we've, we've I've honestly just tried to force it, mm-hmm. um, and it's super unenjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> like sure. It's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But it takes the work of I think just first and foremost just being a student of the Word to be able to I don't have the Holy Spirit pressed into your heart and what needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I don't know, I think you would be a good songwriter. I think 
writing songs is a lot like writing sermons. In I've been ways. waiting for him to tell me that. <laughs> Damn. Hold on. You just asked <laughs> one go. question. We'll write a song, let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, I, uh, essentially worship as a, as like the songwriting wing of our church has been an incredible encouragement to our campus. I know to all of our campuses. Um, I want to shift gears just one, maybe one last question. And, uh, this has not been an easy time for, for pastors, for counselors, for youth pastors, for ministry directors. It's been, I think, especially difficult for worship leaders. I'm talking about the past I mean, six, seven months of COVID, the church being in different places, different yeah. environments. Um, I don't, you don't need to, this isn't an open season for you to harp on all your complaints about like <laughs> how things are going. You but, harp, you guys but harp. May, maybe it'd be right helpful here. for us to know, like how could we as the church um, be encouraged in our musical worship, especially on, on the gatherings? I know uh, the day that this drops will we'll be uh, outdoors at the Crown Point campus. All the campuses coming with uh, the Gary worship team, Century Worship, singing together. Um and so that's one way for us to be engaged as a, as a church community. But how would you guys encourage, you know, us, <laughs> what's the word, Scott? Not regular folk, but like non-musicians <laughs> non coming folk. in the congregation uh, it, at, at such a time like this. What, what are some things we could do to just continue to press into the Lord together? Um, I don't know if my answer would be different if COVID wasn't around, to be honest with you. I would tell you to look at and savor Jesus Christ. I would tell you to let your heart steep in the gospel on a daily basis in a real and tangible and slow way. Hmm. And then I would tell you to come on Sunday morning and respond as if you just heard the best news of your life because the gospel is the best news of your life. Right. Um, and I think one of the hardest things as a worship leader in COVID is that we're socially distanced, masked up, um, spread out, and there's really no way to feel that you're with the church. It, it, it's you can kind of see it and sense it, but it's definitely not the same. And I'd also say that online is a poor um, substitute for yeah. the gathered church worshiping. I think it's great if you're sick. I think it's great if you can't make it. I think it's great if you're for safety. What if you're camping? <clears throat> if you're camping, no. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, go camping. That's that's great. Go to church where you're camping. But I, I think one of my concerns is that people like, oh, I, I they, they take the consumeristic mentality of worship three steps further by just watching it on a screen. Mm. Um, sometimes they come Sunday mornings and just watch us on the stage. And that's also not encouraging as a worship yeah. leader. Mm. But um, I, I heard a saying a long time ago, and it's the mature worshiper can worship anywhere. And what that means is if you've heard the best news of your life and you respond in the way that God's made you to that good news, then you're you're going to respond as if you would respond to other good news in your life. So if you are in regular life and you somebody says, I'm going to give you a million dollars, and you're like, oh, that's cool, man. <laughs> and you're reserved. Okay, that's you. That's how you should worship. If you jump up and down at a Bears game because they just scored a touchdown, then Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and rise from the dead is infinitely better. Your worship should mirror how you respond to good news in regular life. So I would just say, mm. meditate on Christ, steep your heart in the gospel, and then come sing your guts out. Because what people don't realize is they're missing it right now, and mm. they need it. Mm, yeah. And the reason I'm excited about tomorrow night at, actually, I don't know when this, this drops, but the night of the worship night outdoors at go. Crown Point um, is that it will feel the most normal uh, thing that we've had as far as corporate singing goes in seven months. Yeah, And so I'm hoping people come out and they come ready and it just explodes because 
the best worship experience on earth is going to be nothing but a fraction of what's coming mm. in heaven. So, Amen. yeah. Well, that's a great place to put a period on this conversation. Dustin, thanks for being around with us in studio. We appreciate you guys, all the work that goes on behind the scenes, writing music, thinking, you know, for every song that gets uh, actually done and put out there, there's five more that hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> and so we're grateful for the tireless work that you guys put into this. And uh, you make it look easy. Uh, we know it's not. <laughs> And we just want you to know your, your, your church appreciates you. And uh, I'm grateful for the ways that you point our attentions to Jesus. So yeah. uh, for all that, we're excited for what's ahead. Thank you.